Welcome back to the Catching Up Podcast. It is episode 61. I'm your host, Connor Kaysen, joined every single week by my partner in crime, Nick Hughes. And this week, it takes us a little while to get into the topic, but we're talking about the music industry and how streaming services have really changed the landscape of music over the last two decades. And in the early 2000s, the music industry looked like it was falling apart. People weren't buying CDs. And now here in 2019, we're seeing a renaissance of music and opportunity for new artists to pop up every day through services like Spotify, Apple Music, and even Pandora. And so Nick and I talk about the services that we're using and the changes and some of these articles that we read about uh, and how it has become a better landscape for us as the users, the musicians and artists, and the record labels all together, uh, which is really cool to see. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you have any questions, please let us know or else enjoy episode 61. Yo, Nick, good morning. How you doing today? Good, Connor. How you doing, man? I am fantastic. I'm excited for uh this week's topic, but where are you calling from this morning? Yeah, I'm I'm in New York. Um, I'm actually in Queens uh, area of New York, so doing well. Nice. What have you been up to this week? What's changed since uh, seven days ago? Uh, shoot, man. Um, just uh, yeah, it's it's kind of been one of those just you know get to work weeks and um, heads down working and. Uh, not going to spill too many beans, but I had a very, very good meeting yesterday, and i um, excited to see where that goes. It's in the uh, TV show film direction. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Good for so you. I, I, th- I think I'm finally, I think I'm talking to the right people now, and uh, yeah. it feels really good. And she's going to give a shout out to Nick, Nick Ellingson uh, from WTIA for making a really great introduction and connection. Uh, so thank you, Nick, and um, just give a good shout-out to him. Awesome. Yeah, Nick's yeah. a good guy. I haven't talked with him in a while, but I know uh, WTIA uh, does everything they can to support the community. And so that's awesome. This week I've been working on this huge video project for one of my clients. They're celebrating their 40th anniversary, and so we're doing – a huge uh, video series interviewing all these different people who have worked for the company over the last 40 years. And so it's kind of a bigger project than I've ever worked on. I don't really know how to manage uh, five to 10 hours worth of video footage and how to chop it down to <laughs> 10 minutes of video, but uh, it will be a learning experience for me for the next uh, four weeks. Totally. Uh, how was last weekend? You had your um, green light stuff or right? The, yeah. Yeah, it uh it didn't go very well, honestly. Oh man. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty disappointing and uh yeah, like just to to be honest about it, yeah, we had this Oktoberfest, we've been working on it for years, but there's definitely there's been a ton of procrastination and uh lack of strong execution on the organization, on the marketing of it. And so we just had like a lot of issues come up and it was really like scrambled and put together and so we ended the right we, we've done the food walk now for four years it's been our most successful event i mean we've generated almost a hundred thousand dollars over four years nice. in the course of these events and so we we definitely have a lot of experience on like how to execute an event really well and we had this great production company who's helped us uh kind of get to that point and they're the ones taking the lead on this 
Um, and the, the event has been in the works for in serious works for about a year. Uh, but when, uh, when the food walk ended in April, we really like kicked it in the high gear. It was all of our focus from May to October, but it didn't seem like anything really seriously got moved forward until a week before. Like I was trying to coordinate with influencers to do giveaways on Instagram, um, which is like right up my alley. But I didn't even know the list of breweries that were participating until the weekend before. So seven days before I didn't even have a list. So like the influencers are like, who's the list? And right. That prevents people from knowing about it and committing. So we really like, I had a decent amount of traffic on Facebook for people to know about it, but, uh, I wasn't able to really share, Hey, these are the people who are participating. This is what beer they're going to be selling. Like, this is what's going to be happening that day. Um, I also think our tickets were $25. They're probably a little overpriced. We should have gone under that. We are competing with a brew, uh, an Oktoberfest in Georgetown and they were the same price, but giving away twice as much beer and their event was only five hours long where ours was two 10 hour sessions. Got it. And then it, yeah, it rained all day Sunday, so I don't think anyone showed up on Sunday. I wasn't able to go because I was like, I had prior commitments. Um, and so, yeah, we have a meeting next Thursday to hear about the, the final numbers. And um, I feel bad. I wasn't significantly financially invested in the event, right? It was, it was more just like my time that I volunteered. And, and I covered some of the costs for Facebook ads, but that that's not going to hurt my business. I don't know about this production company. And I was saying this the month before the event, it was very clear. Like, I don't know how this is going to go because there's a lot of question marks still out there. And my big concern was always like, it, it's looking like this isn't going to turn out the way that we want it to. And we really needed to get 2000 people there to break even. And so the company that was really taking the lion's share of the burden um, you know, I was just worried. I was like, if they lose $30,000 on this event, what kind of hit is that going to put on <laughs> yeah. them as a company? And I don't know. We'll find out next Thursday. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. It, it unfortunately, yeah, it didn't go very well. We had an issue with the postcards that we were sending out. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to send out 25,000 postcards to all the people kind of in North Seattle, but then uh, the design mock-up needed to get changed and that didn't get responded to for a couple of weeks. And so, uh, yeah, we ended up for the same price, only getting out 2,500 postcards. Oh, wow. we don't even, I, I mean, I, I don't even know if they got out honestly, but we did. Yeah. The event started on Saturday and those postcards didn't arrive in, on people's mailboxes until the day before. Mm. So that's not a lot of time to make a decision. And then when it rains, it kind of, washes everything out yeah so it was a giant mess and uh unfortunately it didn't go very well and i'm i'm a little nervous about the meeting that we'll have next thursday but yeah uh we'll kind of see and then hopefully uh it'll be something that we learn the lessons take the knock on the chin and and be able to do it next year uh there's a lot of learning lessons especially even like uh, even the businesses around the neighborhood didn't even know that it was going on and that's that's a huge mistake like you when you're going to close down four blocks of streets in green lake like everyone's got to be aware that it's going yeah. on and, and so um yeah they definitely not a success but uh hopefully hey. we can make it better next year yeah you know that's we we learned through those it's the way it works man. <laughs> yeah we learned yeah through those. that's 
you, you can't win all of them. And, and I think that's kind of the hard knock on the, the chin is the other event that we do has been really successful from day one. And yeah, so this, this wasn't as a, wasn't as good of a situation. Got it. Well, damn. So uh, besides that, I know we're a, a little ways already into the podcast and for uh, everyone out there, let me vent a little bit on that situation. But this week's topic, we want to talk about the music industry and specifically streaming services and how we interact with those services as well as how we've seen it change the industry and affect this giant wave of new music coming out. And so my first question for you, Nick, is especially on the road, I know you're consuming a lot more audio maybe than previously. And so what streaming services are you using and why do you (laughs) choose those ones? Yeah, this is hilarious. Um, so I'm still a Pandora user. And the reason why is it's so weird, but it's like, dude, the moment, like, I've you know, I've been using it for 10, maybe even 15 years now. And it's just locked in. Like, it's just, it's pretty dialed in. You know, I've got my stations. It's, it's almost like you, th- that's your library that you're kind of locked in on. And so, um, you know, I, I you know, it, Sometimes I'll, I'll go use Spotify, but very little just because like all my, I guess the catalog of what I've been listening to for the last 10 plus years is in, it's Pandora. And um, I have this love hate relationship with Pandora because it's, it's clearly not the best one on the market, but it's because all my music is there. And so that's so funny. And I know it would just take a chunk of hours to go through and actually take Spotify and kind of build it up similar to the artists and areas that I have in Pandora, but I just don't have that time. So that's, that's who I listen to. But as you were talking, I was thinking like, dude, think about where we're at right now. Like, okay. When, when the iPod hit and iTunes came up, it was like, Whoa, you don't have CDs anymore. You just go on and buy all these songs. And and then actually, if you want to download, I mean, yeah, you went from like Napster that was like illegal downloading or whatever. Um, to then this more structured, you would buy songs for 99 cents. We've now gotten to the point where, dude, I can't remember the last time I've used iTunes and or like had a catalog list of songs like on an iPod or whatever. It's just, it's now streaming. And I, I, it, I would assume most everyone just has a streaming service that they, you know, on demand, you're just like going through. And the reason why I like it, and I'll just, I'll finish here and it's, you know, this last thought is, what I like is the streaming, especially like what Pandora or Spotify does is basically it's, it's kind of hybrid between radio, which you don't know what song's popping up next, but yet it's associated with the artist or like the genre that you've chosen. So it's slightly like radio, but it's not radio. And um, so I think it's kind of an interesting happy medium and I'm totally fine with paying five to 10 bucks for, for that full experience. And you, and so you do pay for that experience. You're not on the free version. Oh, dude, hundred percent pay for it. Like <laughs> I, a little TMI, but I was like with this girl a while ago and she was like playing Pandora and it would throw on the commercial every like five, 10 minutes. I was like, are you kidding me? Especially when you're like sitting there, like trying to have a good experience with this person. And it's like some freaking commercial that comes on. I'm like, just pay for the pay the five bucks or whatever so yeah i cannot stand those interruptive commercials <laughs> yeah especially when you know you're trying to set a mood or create a vibe <laughs> right and you on. have the commercial roll up like no uh, way. i actually 
because I know we didn't have much of a conversation about this before. I did not expect that you were going to talk about Pandora. Oh, and no. Pandora is an app I have not used in a while. Uh, <laughs> ever since I subscribed to Spotify, I haven't gone to Pandora. But I remember when Pandora like was getting big and like how revolutionary it was. But it's such a simple concept. It really is just the radio, but they use a little bit more data and algorithms to like play songs that you actually like. It's not like an extreme uh, update in technology actually, but it's actually, it's super convenient. And obviously they still got paying subscribers. So they're still doing something right. Yeah, totally. This is, I mean, I, I will be honest until I feel like a little bit of a old school. It's so weird to say that now, but like, um, yeah, it's just like, it still works for me. And, it can be a little buggy sometimes, but all my music is there. And at some point, I think I'll, I'll flip over to uh, Spotify, but whatever. Yeah, who, who, whoever imagined a world we live in where it's like, you use Pandora? How old are you? <laughs> no shit. Uh, yeah, I'm just like, it's probably so interesting how much Pandora knows about you and your music choices. Mm-hmm. Like down to like, oh, Nick on Thursday, or like Nick on Monday is always like a little bit more uh mellow right and by friday he like wants this it probably like can understand how you flow through the week emotionally dude let me off oh, the type me, of playlist you play how about this so i they obviously made an update but in the last week or two i've noticed it'll be like you know seven or seven thirty in the morning i'll my phone i'll pick it up and it'll have this little pandora no, like it's it's a notification that shows up on the screen and it says play calm meditation music and I'm like, oh my god, because you know, yeah, it knows it knows where you're going already. The day, the time of the day, it says, "Would you like to play calm meditation music?" Yes, thank you. So that's an interestingly cool user experience little nugget there that they, I, I think, I mean, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it's 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 nice when it's like, oh yeah, sure, thank you, pop. Do do you know how Pandora compensates artists? Ooh, good question. Um, I do. And it's essentially royalties, but they're very, so this has been a, this has been an issue for them for a long time as they've um, traditionally actually not given a lot. Um, so I guess I'll put it this way. From my understanding of the industry, when you go to the, the, when the music industry back in the day, the 80, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, which was actually the heyday, um, you know, bands, would and it goes from the record labels but the essentially the artists would get royalties based on the radio play and there was like a lot of money flowing through this thing and there's just a lot of radio state you know the radio stations and these songs get played and then on a monthly or quarterly basis there's like a royalty check that gets cut um well because of the streaming services that is about i think it's like an order of magnitude less right so if they were getting like you know $500,000 a month or, you know, whatever they're getting like $50,000 a month or even $5,000 a month from like Pandora. So like the, the royalties have, are, are so small. And so that's been a legal issue for Pandora for a while. And I don't know if Spotify is in the same, but in, in, in reality, um, the royalties are not as good as what the heyday was with radio. And that's what artists are frustrated about. And so here's my take. There is more music listened to today than ever before. And musicians aren't getting paid as much from a digital experience as they were years ago with like record play on a, on a radio. 
and so that's why you're seeing more of these tours and you know ed sheeran basically is he's now i think his tour is the highest grossing tour ever in the history but he's been on tour for two freaking years yeah. <laughs> like so like he grossed like 750 million if not like almost a billion dollars in terms of gross sales of tickets uh but he's been touring for almost two years now that i think that eclipsed you two but um you know it's like he has to basically like perform on every other night to like make the money that he's making versus just having it you know be played on the radio all the time so there's a lot of economics going on here that i think is really interesting but in the end i would agree that it's totally affected and um, changed the music industry as a listener, definitely better. Like we, we have everything at our fingertips, but as a musician, they've had a shift and change. Yeah. Ed Sheeran came through Seattle twice on the same tour, which is crazy. <laughs> he played Tacoma Dome and CenturyLink Field. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was the exact same setup when he came both. He had the same background and stage and everything. And so, uh, yeah, but that's the way to make the money. I did a little Google search here and, uh, it looks like Pandora is actually one of the highest compensations where it's around 0 0.016 nice. dollars per day. So it's it's 1.6 pennies per play, uh, which is the best. Napster is actually second. It comes in like right under uh, – or I'm sorry, right over a penny per play. And Apple Music is uh, right around – six thousandths of a penny <laughs> which is just crazy oh and uh very similar for all the other ones spotify just passed amazon but it only it's only point zero zero three nine seven of a dollar so three thousandths of a dollar is what what you play so you would need a total of three hundred thousand total plays to earn you fourteen hundred dollars which they say is minimum wage well what's, um, yeah and just I'm, I'm looking at one of these articles too and so sheeran ed sheeran had um he had 1.7 billion streams of his song shape of you um on youtube i believe or uh, no spotify spotify so um that i mean you could i'm, I'm not going to do the quick math but you know, at, at the top level, you know, these, some people are, you know, even though that's like a, some pennies, very law, like small for each song played, when you talk about 1.7 billion, you know, that's some decent chunk of change just on a digital streaming experience that he has the song on. Um, but that's, that's, we're talking about Ed Sheeran. So when you talk about a normal kind of just average band or artist, they're not getting paid when they're, they're, they're not really getting paid anything worthwhile when their music is on these streaming services yeah exactly and and there's some other data here yeah the ed sheeran thing about remixing it and coming out with all the different services is a really clever tactic right to rack up the different just to rack up more plays mm -hmm, and streams mm -hmm. and that's definitely changing how people make music you need to like start really fast because you need to get people in but you also don't make songs as long because you don't get paid for how long they listen to it right they just get paid for how how many streams they have so you're seeing a lot more songs that are only from like a minute to two minutes and are coming out a lot quicker uh which is a lot easier for artists um and it's been interesting because I, I found this article here that talks about how much money these companies are losing, right? And so this article is at the end of 2018 and it says with over 191 million monthly active users for Spotify, 
and 87 million subscribers. So that's about half are paid. Uh, the service lost $584 million <laughs> last year. So it loses $2.68 per user. And so it's like, that's not sustainable, wow. right? You can't, you can't run a, co- obviously there, there's probably places because they raise so much money and they're funded in a different way that when you lose half a billion dollars that they're, they're, they've got money in the back end to support that. But that's not a long-term uh, road to success. Like, that's not a sustainable thing. If, if the market crashes, these companies aren't going to be able to survive. And so we'll see kind of how it evolves. I think right now it's incredible for artists, though. It's created this unique new competition where, like, an artist can pop in any day, right? If, they're, if they have a one – the, the one-hit wonder is stronger than ever now. Um, I think that artists now get a lot more opportunities. It's the opportunity to get in that bat is a lot less. So if you have a hit song, you're usually going to have some, let's just call it the aftershock in your second and third song. After that should get some plays because people are curious and you'll get compensated for that. But um, every week, I know one of the articles talks about rap caviar. It's one of the most influential playlists in the world. And there's new artists popping on there every day, but then I would say a majority of them you never hear from again. Mm. And so that creates a tough dynamic if you are an artist, because yeah, if you do have a little light of success, uh, there's a lot of pressure to keep it going. Oh yeah. (laughs) And so, yeah, it's just crazy, but I love it. Like the music that I have now is so interesting. And and I really love the idea that a lot of these former artists uh, who have been big forever, I think the article mentions uh, uh, the Backstreet Boys, Adele, Rihanna, who is the big old artist? I can't remember. But their their music from the 70s and the 80s, once they got on Spotify. Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac, there it is. And... So they're actually making a ton of money and they don't even need to put out new music because people so consistently want to go listen to old things. So previous, yeah, Fleetwood Mac probably hasn't made any money on a bunch of these albums from 30 years ago. But now that they're on Spotify, they're like bringing money back in and it's creating this really unique, uh, almost like passive income for oh, people, which on, I think is really cool. On this topic, I was actually talking with someone last night on this exact topic, but it's, um, I don't know if you saw, kind of, we're taking a little left-hand turn. Um, did you see that Seinfeld, um, Netflix is buying Seinfeld. Did you see that? No, I didn't. So Netflix, or Seinfeld is coming to Netflix um, for $500 million. What? And, dude, guess who probably, I don't know the makeup of that business, but I'm sure Jerry Seinfeld is, like, that is a lot of money in his pocket. Yeah, hopefully. Think about this for a second. And this this is, like, the power of syndication and, essentially, royalties based on creating something once and having it. Dude, this the entire catalog of of, um, Seinfeld has been purchased how many times? Like so many, and like you know, Jerry's got a ton of money, obviously, and he's made it. He's done very well already. But then all of a sudden, it's like, I mean, a show that was like what fifteen, twenty years old or whatever, is getting bought again for five hundred million dollars, only to be shown on Netflix. And 
oh my God, like that talk about, you know, doing work 20, 30 years ago that you still get paid for today. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, and, and that show is definitely an anomaly. Mm-hmm. It premiered 30 years ago. Yeah. Right. And so I, I've seen here he had a, with Hulu, he had a six year streaming deal that ends in 2020 or 2021. And he was paid 130 million annually for that deal. Oh. Um, that is just insane. I mean, shout out to him. It's yeah. just like a show. These streaming services have created the ability, yeah, for these shows to like continue, continually make money for a long time, especially when they become cult classics like that. Like 30 years to be doing that. I know the show Friends is having their 25th anniversary coming up here, and they're they're in a similar boat. Right, they're they're gonna get played forever, and that show's gonna get passed on for a real long time, and those people are just gonna continue to to rake it in. It's amazing. I mean, and so just understanding that they're the business, understand the business model there, and understand that you know um, it is kind of like the software, like write it once and sell it, you know, a million plus times. Um, that's that's what they've done too, and you know that it's a good place to be. It's a very good place to be. Um, and yeah, and, and I just love that these platforms actually seem to be have providing the best of both worlds for everyone. These articles, we kind of got started on the streaming service because of the article on The Verge about how in the early 2000s, the music industry was was significantly dying. And that was a mix between uh, the controversy of Napster going on and pirating music and people not buying albums. And it's really taken the last decade and a half to develop this new way of consumption and figuring out the monetization platform. But it looks like, oh, record labels are now making money. Artists are making money, both independent and on labels. And uh, it's best for us consumers, right? Because for Spotify at whatever it is, $10, $11 a month, uh, it's still cheaper than buying a bunch of albums every month. And you get mm-hmm. ex- exposure to all this, and we're getting new music constantly, and the service is providing all this op- opportunity. Uh, and then, yeah, the artists are making more money than ever, and they're actually taking their cut, and we're having independent artists kind of come up from all over. So it's a much more even playing field where uh, tw- even 10 years ago, the music – moguls and the record labels controlled who was going to be popular and who wasn't and now uh us as the consumers have a lot more control of that and i just think that's uh that's so cool what a great time to be alive to see this yeah for sure awesome but it is uh it it will be weird to see hearing that spotify lost 500 million dollars last year is this sustainable and can we keep it up uh that gives me a real big question mark to see if if this can continue or what's going to have to change for them to actually be a sustainable business. Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, for one last question, are there any types of music, whether that's uh, a band or an artist, or even I know stand up comedy comes up all the time. Is there something that uh, you've been listening to a lot right now? that has got your attention. I think about, I think I talked about this a while ago, but um, the, the band, the midnight, is one that midnight, yeah. yeah i saw them in santa fe when i was in new mexico in the spring and then um i actually just saw i was in uh, washington dc this last weekend and i went and saw a band called the boy and bear and okay 
um, the boy and bear, uh, actually out of Australia. Uh, but just, you know, it's, it's a little lighter rock, but it was really cool. And it was a great show at the small venue. And I always like to see, you know, small venues and, um, bands that, like I've followed this band for a couple of years now. And, um, it was way cool to, to be at the concert. So the boy and bear. There's a, I wanted to mention there's this show on NBC called Songland, and I think it's like the perfect attribution to what's going on now. So every show, uh, every episode, they have an artist come in and these songwriters, it's like American Idol for songwriting. And the writers come and sing their song that they wrote for the artist. So like Macklemore was in there, Will I Am was in there, One Republic was on there. And the artists hear the songwriter sing the song and then they choose a winner and then they produce their own version of that song and then release it out that same evening. So they have this show about the artist picking a song by these different songwriters. And then right after the show premieres, you can go on Spotify or iTunes and listen to the, the song produced by the yeah, artist. That's way cool. And I think that's just, it's so smart. It's so clever to use the show to like get streams and boost it out and put it out there. It's great exposure for the songwriters as well. Um, and I've been really curious just to watch all those songs and watch those episodes. If you're into songwriting, or music in general, it's it's a pretty good look into how people create music. Mm-hmm. Cool, awesome, man. Well, well, that concludes the show this week. Nick, what do you got going on this weekend? I'm just hanging out in New York. Um, actually, haven't checked out uh, Central Park yet, so I'm excited. I think I'm gonna go swing through there. Yeah, you could spend like a whole weekend. In Central <laughs> I, know, Park. I know. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to Founders Live here in Seattle next Thursday. I've got my tickets. It's on my calendar. Um, and we'll touch base on that next week in the episode. That will be episode 62. But thanks a lot, as always, for joining me here on Friday morning, Nick. I hope you have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. Peace.